This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. That's Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code STSPOD20. STSPOD20. Right Notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the Right Notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the Right Notes, available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the Right Notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. You want the best, you got the best. The best little wrestling podcast in the business. All episodes on www.stspod.club. Do you enjoy all the shows here on stspod.club? Well, cash app us at dollar sign BTSTS. Do you not have the app? Download it and get $5 by using the code dollar sign btsts that's dollar sign btsts Record Store Nation. Happy 2022. It is a brand new year. And before we get too much further into the episode, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody for wishing me well in December. As some of you know, I was under the weather uh, right around the holidays. Just perfect timing for that, as it never seems like there's good timing for being sick, but around the holidays made it even more challenging. But thank you so much to everybody who sent well wishes and their concerns. It meant the world to me. And I'm back in the saddle. Feeling much better. Thank you so much, and happy 2022. I hope you guys had a great holiday season uh, and starting the new year off right. Uh, Before we get too much further into it, of course, we have to thank our house band with our theme music. That was the Pajama Game, or as we like to call them in the, you know, we're insiders, so we call them PJG. Pajama Game on tour right now, opening for Def Leppard, if I'm not mistaken. So look forward to seeing that this summer at all the stadiums near you, baseball stadiums and football and so on. So Pajama Game, just great opening act. Uh, Great, great theme music for the record store. So we are back. Uh, First first episode of the year. Really excited. 
Uh, and you know the concept, as we've talked about many times. But if you're if this is your first time listening, where the hell have you been, first of all? And go back and listen to the archives, because there are 23 brilliant episodes, if I may say so myself, waiting for you there. Uh, but the concept is, of course, uh, I was cleaning my room, and I was cleaning up where all my CDs were, because at one point... My CDs and my vinyl were literally all throughout my house, like in every room. I think the bathroom was literally about the only room that had no music in it uh, and probably would have music in it if there was a, an extra shelf or something. But anyway, so I was collecting up all my stuff, trying to clean up my room while my, my work at the time last year was closed for, due to COVID. And so I finally had time to organize all my albums and stuff, and it occurred to me as I was stacking and stacking and stacking my CDs how many I really had. Um, my vinyl, unfortunately, some of my vinyl has gotten damaged over the years be, by being in the basement of our building that has gotten flooded numerous times. So I've salvaged most of it, uh, still in the market for a turntable, so I don't know how much of it I really have truly salvaged, but... At the end of the day, the main thing is the CDs. So I have 8 million CDs here stacked up in definite, uh, no particular order or anything, not alphabetical, not chronological, but stacks and stacks of CDs. So the concept of the record store came to me of just literally grabbing a CD with my eyes closed at random and just talking about that that album and that band and seeing where it takes me uh, and reminding myself, did I love this band at one time and I hate them now? Do I still love this band? You know, there haven't been too many bands that I've completely soured on over the years. Uh, maybe a few, but not too many. Um, but my normal pattern is I'll fall in love with a band either early on and just stay with them or I'll fall in love with a band and they've got like five or six albums already in the can and I'll go back and start like checking out the old stuff too. So that's what a lot of my albums are. Like I'll go off on a jag like I was on a heart jag not that long ago and had to make sure I had every single heart album because I'm such a big fan of heart and so on and so forth. But anyway, so that is the concept, just grabbing an album at random and talking about it and how it affected me personally and so on. So today... A band that I've been a big fan of for many years and have seen a handful of times. It is Gin Blossoms. Uh, they seem to fit right in with like all the other bands that I've talked about. They just seem like a very, you know, Foo Fighters, Goo Goo Dolls, that whole kind of type of music, Candlebox even for that matter. Uh, maybe a little bit more mellow than Candlebox, but in that same melodic, you know, still but still hard rock genre, I would say. Uh, so the album that we pulled today was their fifth studio album. It was called No Chocolate Cake, uh, and there is chocolate cake pictured all throughout the album, front cover, back cover, in the liner notes as well. So don't uh, don't listen to this album if you're hungry because it will be highly distracting looking at the liner notes. So No Chocolate Cake was their fifth album, came out in August of 2010. A uh, couple side notes, you know, obviously before we get into the songs themselves, Gin Blossoms. I never knew this. This is for as long as I've loved this band. Gin Blossoms is a term for a large bulbous nose when it's somebody suffering from rhinophemia. Rhinophema. So it is also known as whiskey nose or potato nose. And so just like ridiculous. Like they name themselves Gin Blossoms because of like when you see the old man with the, the all the lumps, red lumps on his nose. So according to Wikipedia, the gin blossoms or rhinophema 
most commonly occurs in old white men. So yay, I got that to look forward to as a possibility. So gin blossoms may be prophetic in my future. So anyway, if you're old, white, and male, you might have this, you know, you might have this in your future. So you might actually hate gin blossoms by the end of it all. So anyway, band started in 1987. They came out of Tempe, Arizona. Uh, they hit huge in 1992 with their second album. It was called New Miserable Experience, which most people assume that was their first album because that was what put them on the map. But they actually did have an EP that had been released before that um, that didn't get any airplay and is impossible to find. I've searched. Um, but anyway, New Miserable Experience was the second album. Included the single Hey Jealousy, which is their biggest hit to date. And then they broke up in 1997. It- the breakup was short-lived. Um, they reunited. They broke up in 1997. They reunited in 2001. It seemed like something of an amicable breakup. So the key consistent members of the band, Robin Wilson is the lead singer. I love this guy's voice. I, I always struggle with saying his name because you, you're thinking Robin Williams. It's just such a familiar-sounding name, Robin Wilson. So was that like one of the Beach Boys, one of the Beach Boys' daughters in Wilson Phillips? And then just the whole Robin Williams thing on on top of it. So I always struggle with saying that guy's name. So if if I say Robin Williams at some point in the episode, do not be surprised. And I'm not going to edit that out. So Jesse Valenzuela is the lead guitarist and a guy by the name of Bill Lean is the bass player. Those guys have actually been with the band since the beginning. Uh, they were early on. They were known as a hard touring local Phoenix band. They made a lot of, they got a lot of notoriety. I'm sure that's what got them signed, especially Phoenix being so close to the LA music scene. Uh, another founding member was a guy by the name of Doug Hopkins, who was the guitarist. He wrote um, many of those first hits, like Hey Jealousy and many of the other hits that that came off of New Miserable Experience. Um, And sadly, this guy, Hopkins, committed suicide in 1993. So the story there, and a lot of, you know what, a lot of people have said that Gin Blossoms, he was Gin Blossoms. Despite the fact that Robin Wilson is the, the singer and is the most, is very widely recognized as being the front man in the face of Gin Blossoms, I think a lot of people that have questioned why Gin Blossoms have not exploded or continued their growth from that second album um, have said because Doug Hopkins was the band. He was the songwriter that wrote most of those really early hits. So the story there is that Hopkins was an alcoholic, unfortunately, was very unreliable, um, and his... Uh, proclivities and problems and mental issues were delaying the release and the, the the finalization, the completion of New Miserable Experience. So the band did not want to fire him because he was their guy. He was their buddy, you know, and so they didn't want to fire him. But A&M Records didn't, was just sick and tired of waiting. So they paid him off. Uh, they wanted him out of the band so that the band could move on. Uh, they paid him off the remaining money off his contract, and they had a settlement. And so he was in in that sense, he was out of the band. He finally, you know, he got what he was contracted to get. So that was in early in 1992. The, within the year, he was dead. He had committed suicide. Um, his mental issues and his alcoholism just got the best of him, and it was tragic because it, there definitely seems to be a connection in the sense that they're career has kind of stagnated i guess they really hadn't had too many more hits after that second and third album the third album did well too um but then after that this album and the one before and after this album they really haven't gone anywhere now granted part of that is the big change in rock radio that we've talked about many times 
Um, but just it's tragic because this guy really was responsible for so many of their hits. So the second album, like I said, New Miserable Experience, and the third album, the next album after that, spawned a lot of hits. Found Out About You was a big one. Follow You Down, that was another big one. So they had Grammy nominations. They had platinum sales. They had a lot. They had a lot going for them, and it seemed like the sky was the limit for these guys. Um, but then they broke up in 97. Um, two of the guys uh, decided to form a band called Gas Giants. And I looked that up, and that's just some planetary reference. So it sounds like it's either flatulent or who knows what with tongue-in-cheek. But I don't know. I didn't see too much sense of humor from these guys in, in other stuff other than the name of the band itself. But anyway, so two of the guys, including Wilson, the singer form gas giants they go on to release one album which i have somewhere in the collection here because uh, again i'm a huge fan of this guy's voice uh and another guy when they left the band when they broke up went on to manage a rare bookstore so good luck to him hopefully that's very exciting for him especially these days so the breakup like i said the breakup was amicable they intended to reunite they never parted on bad terms uh, they did reunite in 2001. I think it was one of those things where they took like a four-year break or so just because they probably needed a break from each other, a break from the road. Maybe they were starting families. Who knows? But anyway, Wilson's quote on the, the breakup and the reuniting was, this time we hope to avoid being swallowed by the chaos. And I think that perfectly sums up where you know where it all was coming from as far as like the the whole suicide of hopkins and just the ups and downs and there's so much traveling and so much on the road so um members came and left you know like i said those guys that i mentioned earlier on in the episode um they've been the consistent ones since the very beginning but other guys have come have left have come back and it always seemed in all my different research of the i don't know eight or so guys that have been in and out of the band it seemed like alcoholism was always the reason for most of them they kicked this guy out cuz he was an alcoholic they took this guy back because he cleaned up his act you know it just seemed like it always seemed to reference and it always seemed to go back to alcoholism so good thing i'm glad these guys are still together i'm glad that majority of them are still alive uh, it's tragic about hopkins but um, good thing that they're still together. So anyway, this album, No No Chocolate Cake, entered Billboard at number 73. That was where it peaked. It went down from there. There was one single released from it called Miss Disarray uh, that did hit the top 50. Didn't get any airplay. I mean, we'll talk about that when we get to the song. But as far as critics' reviews, they were pretty much average across the board. Most everything I saw was pretty much average. I didn't see anything that said it sucked. I didn't see anything that said it was stellar. So in terms of like the genre of this band, a couple different uh, terms came up that I thought were interesting. Some places called it power pop. Some places called it alternative, which I do not at all think it's alternative. Uh, another term I never heard before was jangle pop, but it was called jangle pop. But honestly, to me, they just they represent classic rock. I mean, it just seems like it would be something that would it would fit in on your local classic rock radio station. So, like I said, I've seen them live a couple times. A lot of fun, very high energy shows. Um, I saw them, and I know I talk about this in the book. I'm sure I saw them at House of Blues, and the the stage at House of Blues is on the second floor. It's a you know club in Chicago, not too far from where I live, and the stage is on the second floor. You have to go up a flight of stairs to get to where the room is. And the room was shaking. Like the floor was definitely shaking. And they're not like this, you know, like I said, I don't think of them as a very hard rock band. They're a rock band for sure. And they can jam, but I didn't think of them as like, you know, Scorpions or Rush or Black Sabbath. You know, they're not like that at all. 
but yet they had the ground shaking at House of Blues, so I'll give them that for sure. So anyway, no chocolate cake. Lyrics are included, so you know I'm happy. The thank yous were nothing, no funny stuff there, nothing, no sly humor or anything, no cheap trick-ish type, you know, ironic type mentions there. Just thank yous for the family and crew. Uh, they, these guys, again, they just seem like straightforward guys. I don't know. I, I don't recall there being a ton of stories or anecdotes seeing them live either. But uh, but just, hey, straightforward musicians, fun stuff. I enjoyed the, the shows live the couple times I've seen them. So this album clocks in at 43 minutes. It's 11 songs. They wrote everything on this album. There are no covers or anything. It's all stuff that they did themselves. So album starts out with a song called Don't Change For Me. A very aggressive open, very energetic. Uh, it, honestly, it sounds like Fallout Boy. The music on this actually kind of sounds like Fallout Boy. So, which when this came out in 2010, Fallout Boy was a thing. So I could see that being influencing each other, maybe. So it was a. It's a totally motivational song. Don't change for me. Uh, he's saying, "Be the best that you can be. You gotta believe. You can have anything." So honestly, this should have been a big seller. I, I think that this had very commercial um, potential to it, for sure. Should have at least been a commercial for the Army, if nothing else, because there is that be-all-that-you-can-be type vibe to this song. So a really nice, catchy, bouncy opener to get the album started. So liked Don't Change For Me, one of the highlights of the album. So second song is called I Don't Want to Lose You Now. Uh, sounds, what was that? Like a Brian Adams or Def Leppard kind of sound to the title. But anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to lose you now. Just a very jangly gin blossom style open slightly. Actually the song itself, before I even reference, you know, Brian Adams or anybody else, this song has like a slightly folk kind of feel to it. Um, it's a story of a guy who comes back from college and finds her waiting, or I'm sorry, wanting to leave him, you know, and he's fighting to keep her. So he is like, he, he thought for sure when he went away to college and he came back, it was only going to be gone for like, you know, whatever, six, seven months. He thought she'd be there waiting for him and she wasn't. So it's a real catchy song. Um, has you pulling for the guy, has you pulling for him to salvage things with her. So has you in his corner and, you know, wanting him to hopefully be happy. So had kind of, for me, like I said, kind of a folk sound to it, almost a Eagles kind of almost like, dare I say, Poco kind of feel to it. So I enjoyed don't, I don't want to lose you now, despite the, uh, the Brian Adams sounding title. So third song is the single Miss Disarray. It is the only single, but it has the immediate hook. You know, when it, when it first comes on, immediate hook and immediately grabs you. Um, I'll admit, I never heard this on the radio. If I did, I don't remember it. It did not get massive airplay, um, but it should have. It, it was a good song, real good song, real good vocals. Again, I'm just such a big fan of Robin Wilson's vocals. Um, it it kind of almost has this melodic kind of Nirvana sound to it. Like if Nirvana had stuck around, obviously, rest in peace, Kurt Cobain. But if Nirvana had stuck around and kind of mellowed as they got older, that's what this kind of reminds me of. Like if if um, Nirvana just had a more of a melodic, you know, they kind of grew into it on their eighth or ninth or tenth album or something, and they kind of mellowed out a little bit. That's what this reminds me of. So I will say this is probably, Miss Disarray is probably not the girl from the previous song, because this girl in this song is a head case, a mystery that he doesn't understand. She disappears all the time on him. The harder he tries, the more distant she becomes, you know. So what I will say about these guys, and these are all, like I said, these are all songs that they wrote. These guys have some questionable taste in women. That's what I'm going to say. So unless they're all fictional, they all have some 
some questionable taste because they're written by pretty much all the members of the band wrote songs here. So just dudes, maybe think about, you know, who you end up going home with or something. I don't know. So this song, Miss Disarray, really grows on me. I got to say, as it goes on, it really grows on me. Um, It must have been a huge disappointment to them that it didn't chart and it didn't explode like the the songs on the second album did, like Hey Jealousy. I It just, all I can think is that they must have been like putting all their chips in the in the middle for this song and it just didn't do, it didn't take off. And I don't know if that was because of all the changes in rock radio at that point already or what, but man, what a disappointment. It should have been a bigger hit, should have definitely been a bigger hit. So there's Munyeka. You can hear her in the background as she accompanies. She is the soundtrack to the uh, to the record store from time to time. So you will hear her when she's uh, going off in the other room. Hopefully not too much. So anyway, fourth song, Wave Bye Bye, which is another weird title. So country tinge to this song. has a country feel to it. Uh, it's a really bitter song. It's really ironic because it's a bitter song, bitter lyrics, despite the music itself being pleasant. So it's the last time, he, one of the lines is, this is the last time I'll ever say I love you. I'm like, oh, damn, that's that's pretty rough. So it sounds like a breakup after a long relationship, long marriage, perhaps. So he talks about graves. He talks about dark, lonely skies. But I don't think, I didn't take it as a death song. I thought more it was an analogy for the death of a marriage. So, but what was interesting to me is that these dark lyrics and all this this dark topic is set to such pleasant music. So, interesting song, Wave Bye Bye, um, just signaling the death of the marriage and the fact that they got to move on from there. So that is it. That is side one of No Chocolate Cake. We're going to take a break, pay a few sponsors, and we'll be right back with side two. Stick with us. This episode is also brought to you by SpunkLoop.com. Remember when you're getting funky like a monkey, if you know what I mean, use Spunky. That's right. Go to www.spunkloop.com and tell them STS Pod sent you. Right Notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the Right Notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the Right Notes, available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the Right Notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. Our Uber Eats code Eats Dash Brian T two four seven nine O U E. That's Eat Dash Brian T two four seven nine zero U E. Use that code and get twenty dollars off a twenty five dollar order.
Are you enjoying the episode? Well, Cash App us. That's right. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. You don't have Cash App? Download it and get $5. That's right. $5. That's dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. Hey, I just want to take a moment to tell you about Athletic Brewing Company. This might sound strange to some people, but ABC makes non-alcoholic brews. That's right. I like to taste the beer with my food, but not the alcohol. If you go to tiny.one slash stspod2022, that's tiny.one slash stspod2022, and try a six-pack, use that link. If you buy a six-pack, you get one for free. Athletic Brewing Company. All right, we are back with No Chocolate Cake. I always want to say that, like, no chocolate cake, like, no soup for you. Like, I don't know why that always takes me over, but No Chocolate Cake is the fifth album by Gin Blossoms here at the record store. We're flipping it over to the second side, so we're on the fifth song. It is called I'm Ready. Um, Another intense drum open, which seems to be a Gin Blossoms trademark. That seems like it comes up at least on every album. I've seen it live so many times. So they just, an intense drum open, then it kind of tones down a little bit. So what he's saying with I'm Ready is he's in, ch- in need of a major change in his life, uh, and he wants her to come along for the ride. He's just so sick of all the, all the everyday bullshit and wants to run away from it all. So it's a really catchy song. Um, I'm Ready. They say the phrase I'm Ready a billion times throughout the song. Could have easily become like a catchphrase crowd favorite line live. Like I could see the crowd chanting I'm Ready throughout this song. So good song. Um, I, I enjoyed it. So enjoyed the, like I said, there's something about their drumming that's really underrated as well. So I'm Ready. Good song at number, number five slot. So sixth song, another highlight on the album for me was called Somewhere Tonight. Um, I had a huge epiphany listening to this song. So, and I know I did listen to this album, I don't know, probably once or twice when I first got it, um, because it didn't catch me. Like I said, it didn't catch me just like everybody else was complaining about. It didn't didn't match up to New Miserable Experience, so it didn't catch me either. But So I only listened to it maybe two, three times at the most when it first came out, but it really struck me listening to it now with a more mature, mature set of ears that Robin Wilson in this song sounds like the American John Waite. And John Waite, you know, from Missing You, and everybody always says, oh, yeah, the guy from The Babies. Well, you know, he's been way more, long, much longer as a solo performer than he was with The Babies. So he's much more known as a solo act. But he really, Wilson really sounds like John Waite on this song. And the more I listen to the rest of the album after this, I'm like, yeah, really, there's a lot of similarities. It's John Waite's voice, but without that really strong, like, British Cockney accent. You know, like, I always think of John Waite very similar to Rod Stewart. Like, the, they're from that same part of the world, same similar kind of voices, similar kind of material. Uh, Waite definitely more rockin', I think, at least towards now. Towards the end, uh, John Waite's been more rockin' than Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart more back in the day, probably. But anyway, but I really think that Robin Wilson sounds like John Waite on this song. So um, this song, Somewhere Tonight, two people who really are just not good for each other, and they both know it, they both accept it, and they both stay together no matter what. Uh, he wants her to be with, you know, he they, he wants for them to be together despite, you know, they're going to hurt each other. 
it sounds like a very abusive relationship, maybe not physically and not to make light of that, but just mentally more of a just abusive, just hurting each other con- constantly. So he wants them to be together somewhere tonight. So she'll be hurt. He'll be angry. They'll just move on and deal with it again and again. So I think really good song. One of the highlights on the album for me, and I think especially I, I was partial to it as soon as I realized how much he sounded like John Wade on this song. I was really partial to this song. So good song, Somewhere Tonight at number six. So seventh song, just confusing to me. As a grammar, you know, grammar Nazi, as they say, uh, Go Cry Baby is the name of the song. So Cry Baby, one word. So Go Cry Baby. Like, okay, it just that's awkward. But anyway, it has a good melody and a good drive to it, but he never says the term Go Cry Baby. So it's always go comma baby cry like he's telling there's just two different meanings to this so it was really confusing to me because if he's saying somebody to somebody lovingly like go cry it's okay you know that that would be three words go baby cry you know and but the song title is go cry baby like yeah go cry baby you know so it's just very awkward it was very distracting to me and probably only to me because i like i said i'm a grammar nazi so just like a real weird vibe to it it seems like someone who keeps hurting him you know taking from him a troubled soul and he's been trying to come to grips with this woman and maybe be strong enough to finally get out of the mess that he's in so it just I don't know. I didn't think he was calling her crybaby, and that's the way that the the wording is in the title of the song, is crybaby is one word. I know I'm overreacting to the the crybaby thing, but just really awkward structure there. I enjoyed the song. I mean, I will say that. I enjoyed the song. I enjoyed the message. Uh, Again, these guys have really bad luck with women. I, I can just imagine, if I looked up the marriage records of these guys, it'd probably be like, Seven divorces, you know, five divorces, four, you know, four marriages, one guy not even married and just has been with 18 million women. So anyway, could be wrong, could be totally wrong on that. They might be good Christian brothers that, you know, have been married to the same women in their lives for 27 years. So who knows? But anyhow, go cry baby or however you want to pronounce it. Good song. Enjoyed it. Number seven. So eighth song, If You'll Be Mine. So really interesting. A piano ballad opens as a piano ballad. Um, probably the most unique song on the album. So If You'll Be Mine is, believe it or not, the story of Rapunzel. Um, Or, if not Rapunzel directly, it's an analogy to Rapunzel. So he's singing about how she got hurt. She built a tower to get away from it all, brick by brick, raised the tower high in the sky. He asks her to let her hair down. So I'm like, okay. Oh, and then so he can climb into the sky. So I'm like, this is so plainly Rapunzel. I mean, did he have a little, maybe he had a little girl when he wrote this song? One of the, whoever wrote this song, whichever one of the guys, had a little girl or something. And Rapunzel was out with Disney and he was thinking about this. I don't know, but does it work? For me, it does. Um, Like I said, it's a piano ballad. A little bit of music comes in later, but primarily it's Robin Wilson and the piano. Um, it works for me. The music is just beautiful. It has like this John Lennon piano ballad feel to it. Not doesn't sound like John Lennon. Not saying that because I just made the John Waite analysis and comparison, um, but just has that kind of vibe to it—a John Lennon piano ballad to it. So it's definitely a little bit odd and a little bit maybe campy. You could say that it's campy for sure because it's based on Rapunzel. But it worked. I, I thought as an adaptation of a fairy tale into a rock song or you know a song by a rock band let's put it that way um 
it worked. So I really enjoyed If You'll Be Mine. Like I said, probably the most unique song on the album. So then we change gears again. Ninth song is called Dead or Alive on the 405. So I don't even have to tell you it's a driving song. It's obvious that it's going to be a driving song. So because the 405 just you don't even need to know where it's at. It's obviously L.A., but it just sounds like it's a highway for sure. So Dead or Alive on the 405 sounds like it could have been like a Jan and Dean uh, Beach Boys, you know, that kind of era song. So they add horns to the song, which is kind of a nice touch. It kind of changes up their sound a little bit. So it's essentially him singing about being stuck in the terrible L.A. traffic trying to get to gigs on time. And they reference a number of bands. They reference Styx, Eddie Money, Ronnie Spector. I'm assuming those are all bands that they enjoy or performers that they enjoyed as kids and growing up and so on. Uh, They also reference Nickelback, Say What You Will. Uh, I'm assuming they've probably toured with Nickelback or there's some kind of relation or connection with Nickelback. So it sounds like basically Dead or Alive on the 405 sounds like a tribute to everything that bands like these guys go through and try to get through it all in one piece, being on the road all the time and all day, every day. So I thought it was a nice little twist on their sound. Uh, Like I said, the adding of the horns was a nice little twist, a little bit something a little bit different that I was not expecting from Gin Blossoms. So, all right, 10th song is called Something Real. Uh, To be honest, one of the lower lights on the album for me. It's another relationship gone bad, go figure. So they've messed things up. You know, he'll own his part of it, but he needs her to meet him halfway and admit her part of it too. Uh, He's saying, give me something real because I know that I've tried. So for me, just kind of a their song. Uh, the theme for in this on this album and with these guys, I think this theme is overdone already. Uh, yes, they mixed in some other stuff, you know, the Rapunzel thing and the 405. You know, they've mixed in some other things, but I'm just kind of had it already with the bad relationship stuff. So uh, and and on this song on top of it, some of the other songs at least have been memorable as far as the music has been good and his singing is always good. But this song, really nothing memorable about the music on this song. So, And then finally, we end with the 11th song. It's called Going to California, which I'm reading that over and over again. I'm like, that sounds familiar. That's got to be a cover. Going to California, that's got to be a cover. So I didn't, it was not a cover. It was an original from them. Um, And the sound when it comes on is definitely a familiar sound as well. Like in terms of, it sounds like gin blossoms. It definitely sounds like traditional gin blossoms, which you know and love. So at least I know and love. So this song is about a dreamer who swears he's going to get to California. And that, just that concept alone, hooked me immediately because that was me. When I was a kid, into my teens and 20s, I was, California was it. It was paradise. I needed to get to California. So I it, this song, listening to it now, left me wondering, do people still fantasize about getting to California? You know, in this day and age of TikTok and you know, social media, and you pretty much can become a superstar in your basement in Ames, Iowa, you know, for for all that matters, because it's all about the the downloads and the connections. So does the dream that we had in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, does that still matter, the dream of trying to get to California to become a star? So made me wonder. So he's going to get to California. He says he's going to get there if he has to beg, borrow, or steal to get there for her. But there's definitely more to it. You can sense in the in the singing of it, there's more to it than just her. Like, his dreams are there, too. So he wants to get to California for multiple reasons, including her. So this album, um, it was average for me. You know, I had my thumb thoroughly planted horizontally in the middle. 
it was a thumbs in the middle until this song and then this song not nudged it up to a thumb slightly up for this because of the personal connection on going to California. So I will say this album, slight thumbs up. Not their best work. Uh, they peaked early, and I tend to agree with what most people say about Gin Blossoms as far as, you know, they they had so many big hits, and those first couple albums were so strong, and they've just done everything they could to, to reproduce that, and they just have not done it. You know, this was a, a an okay album. I'll say it was okay. It was slightly above average. Does not touch how how um, appealing those first couple albums were. So it's nothing terrible on this album. It's just not as spot on catchy as the first few albums that they did. So I will say, like I said, not their best work, but I applaud the fact that they are still out there trying. They're still banging them out. Hopefully they have some new stuff. They've had one album since this came out. Um, and I saw them the most recent time I saw them was about three, four years ago. Um, and they were great. They sounded great. So hopefully they, they get their act together post-pandemic. Hopefully we're post-pandemic. I don't know. And they start putting some more stuff out and get on the road again. So hopefully they continue putting stuff out as Gin Blossoms or maybe get Gas Giants back together. Who knows? That was only one album. So anyway, that is it for this episode of The Record Store. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to you, TRS Nation. Thank you to our brand new producer. He's known as Tram Bryanson. A uh, new guy we got stepping in, Tram Bryanson, big fan of his. He's doing a good job already. So we will be back soon. And I will say, you know, we are right out of Christmas. We're right out of the holidays. You surely have, and I'm not calling you surely, but you surely have Amazon gift cards and other kinds of gift cards that you've gotten for gifts. So they're still, you know, burning a hole in your pocket, as my father used to tell me about money. So you can spend those Amazon gift cards on all the right notes. Um, it's out there for you. It's at the low, low price of $15. It will recap all of my rock and roll antics and thoughts and concerts and albums and all the fun stuff that I've been able to do in my life and been fortunate enough to accomplish. So check out all the right notes on Amazon. Look it up by name, Lance Levine, L-E capital V-I-N-E, because, you know, I'm classy like that. And don't forget, I have fun everywhere I go. We'll be with you in the next couple weeks with the next episode of The Record Store. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Record Store Nation, for joining us for another fun-filled episode of The Record Store. You can support us. If you so desire, please support us. I have this terrible 7-Eleven hot dog habit that I have to support. Cash app us at dollar sign BTSTS. Or you can support us on Patreon. It's $3 a month. Uh, www.patreon.com slash shooting the shiznit. And remember, there's no G in shooting. It's just shooting the shiznit. Uh, you can support us there. It's 3 bucks a month. You get uncut episodes. You get early episodes. You, get, uh, you find out what my favorite song of the album is on each episode of the record store. What if I grab an album that I end up, from my own collection, what if I grab an album that I end up hating this year and I can't find a song that I love? So there's got to be one, right? So you'll find out that. You get that when you're a Patreon. You find you get the song uncut after the episode. Uh, all kinds of contests that we do and prizes that we can give away. And like I said, the early releases of the albums and so on. You can find me on Twitter. It's at ChocolatierLL. Yes, it's a parody because I used to work for Godiva and they called us Chocolatiers. So that's the explanation there. C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-I-E-R-L-L. That is me on Twitter for all kinds of sundry, bizarre stuff. 
Uh, you can find my book on Amazon. It's called All the Right Notes. It's my odyssey throughout rock and roll throughout my entire life. Uh, look up All the Right Notes on Amazon by Lance Levine. You can also find it in the Chicago market at Rolling Stone Records. You can find me on Facebook, Lance Levine, L-E, capital V-I-N-E, because you know I'm classy like that. Got to have a capital V in there. Uh, you can go to sdspod.club for the archives if you want to find our episodes about Hearts or Cheap Trick or Tom Petty or Lindsey Buckingham or Stevie Nicks or any of the other artists that we've done throughout 2021. It's been a great year uh, with much more to come. So if you want to check out some other podcasts that I'm a fan of, uh, if you want to stick with music, I'm a big fan of Playlist Wars. Uh, my guys, Brian and Gomez, doing Playlist Wars, where they have they debate better playlists from each got each other. Uh, Nixology from the Mysterious Steven. Haven't had an episode in a while, but hopefully they're coming back soon, uh, documenting the career of Stevie Nicks. So, you know, I'm a big fan of that. And if you want junk food-related stuff, it is my guys, Jay and Rick, at the I'm Fat Podcast. Okay? Always a good time listening to those guys talk about junk food and restaurants and so on. So thank you again, Record Store Nation. Stick with us. We're going to have tons of stuff coming out. And remember, nights are forever without you. 